Am I doing the intro? You want to do the intro? I love doing the intro. Cool. <laughs> Whenever you're ready, you can do it. Just three, two, one, and go for it. Okay, you count me in. Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome. You are listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. His name is Mark. He's a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in <laughs> Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And he's got a real cool guest sitting on his couch <laughs> you today. You just call yourself cool? <laughs> you always say that. Uh, she, in true. fact, she did that she intro did better than you do. <laughs> that's true. Maybe we should just record that and have that happen. Yeah, that could be our intro. Let that be the intro all the time. You know what's my favorite part of it? When she goes, his name is Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, since I'm not part of the intro, hi, everyone. I'm Amanda, and I am uh, Mark's sidekick, right? I'm the sidekick? Sure, sure. The better What's, half. Okay, let's yes, think about let's, go with that. let's think about duos. Who would I be? Like, I I, I think feel like instantly people think of Batman and Robin, but like, I don't want to be Robin. I'm thinking why, why Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so do so I get I'm to be Andy, Andy Richter? No, I'm the sidekick. I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not tall and lanky. <laughs> I'm like, if you push down tall and lanky, you have me. I'm also anyway. no longer tall and lanky. Just <laughs> tall. <laughs> that was that was a good one. Who else can you think of? Yeah, I can't think of Hall and Oates. Mm, maybe. <laughs> gotta grow, gotta grow, grow my mustache. <laughs> Mark's Oates. You're Daryl Hall. Uh, I don't know what it was Hall your and idea even looks like, oh, so oh. That's, that's even worse. I don't even know who I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forget how you're a baby. You're young. I'm There's not some young that kid going, you. who's Hall and Oates? I don't understand. What's a Hall and Oates? Is that, <laughs> is that a cereal? What is that? <laughs> yeah, we actually have quite a few like young listeners, too. So there's probably a lot of people who have no idea what we're talking about. Like, I know who Hall and Oates are, but could I picture them? No. No, I can't. I love those memes. Like when you see shit that's like, this is how old I am. The last one I posted was like a cigarette vending machine. And her cousin <laughs> messaged like, am I missing something? Like, what is that? Is that she goes, is this music? music? <laughs> like, no, like, that's a cigarette vending machine. Those are the good old days. You old. I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> I am old. I started thinking about it the other day. I'm like three years from 50. 50 sounds old, but I don't feel old. I don't feel old at all. I feel old, but I don't feel old. My mom know. once told me when I was like... A teenager, she she said, you know, getting old is kind of weird because she's like, by thirty, you're kind of solidified, like yeah. for, at least for her. She's like, I had my career, I had my husband, right. you know, I had a couple kids, I've had my personality developed, my interests, everything from thirty on kind of stayed the same, but my body just kept changing. There's two things I want to say. To that one, I feel sorry for my my parents because they're older folk, and I know my mom is young in her soul, so I know she looks in the mirror and she's like, who's this fucking old lady staring yeah. back at me? That that probably trips her. Not only that, that, she makes plans every day. Like she has like a to-do list still in her mind of things she wants to do, but she's now starting to realize I can do one of those things per day before my body's like, I yeah. can't keep so going. So I feel bad that way. My father, I feel bad for a whole other reason. Because he's an old dude and like, his siblings have passed, his cousins, people he's grown up with, like his siblings, his sisters, his brothers, his cousins, they're all just kind of, you know, checking out. And I know he's got to be looking around going, well, I guess it's my turn sometime soon. Do you know what I mean? And I heard, I heard, you would appreciate this one. I heard Pete Townsend say this, and that's when it really hit me. Pete Townsend, pretty much in an interview, he's like, my friends are dead. Yeah. Like Keith Moon is dead. Jimi Hendrix is dead. Like these are my friends. They are dead. And I was like, whoa. That, the, then that really made me think about my dad. But this is, the, this is the other thing. Have you hit your prime yet? And if you have already hit your prime, when was it? I hope not. I hope. I feel like I'm just getting started in so many ways. So you haven't hit I mean, I, there are definitely some years that I look back on. And I'm like, oh, that was a good time. Yeah. But I feel like 
professionally, financially, physically, I've never been better. This is something, so I hired a personal trainer, yeah. like a boss, and my I love him, and uh, my trainer says something to me. Every time I say like, hey, how's it going? How, how are you? His answer is always, I've never been wealthier or healthier. Mm. And I love that so much. And I'm like, I wanna feel that way every day for the rest of my life. I yeah. wanna get stronger and I wanna make bank. So mm. that's what I'm focusing on right now. I like it. Have you, Prime? No. Have you, have you passed it? No. No? No. Just wondering. Your 20s I, weren't your prime? No. You don't think? No, I was so fucking stupid You're, in my 20s. I told you, if, <laughs> if, if you met me even a year before you met me, I don't even know I that you would have nothing paid to do with any, you, right? No, nothing. Fuck, fuck like, this. Fuck this I, was, I was a dumb little kid in my 20s, which, I mean, I, I feel like I, I wanted to be. I was supposed to be. Like, that's the time to be stupid. Oh, I, I traveled to places I couldn't afford. I... That's the partied all it. the time. Like I just, I did shit that I don't think I would do now. So, so it was, it was that, a good time. Was it my make prime? You feel like you in your prime? No, no. no. Oh. because I also realistically knew like this is not going to be my life forever. I don't even think there is a such thing as a prime. To be honest with you, I think that every phase of my life, every season of my life, there's something good. There's something challenging. There's something that I'm still wanting. So. I'm I'm living in it and I'm enjoying it, but I know like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next step? And so I think right now, like all of these new businesses we're building, all the stuff we're doing, like mm. our kids are getting older and I'm actually starting to see, you know, like when we first started this podcast, our kids were what? Like two and five, I think. Oh. They were really, really little. Actually, no, what am I saying? One and three when we first started this. They're five and eight now. I'm, I'm, I'm an old dad. See, I don't even know how many. They were they were one and sorry one and four when we started. Now they're five and eight. Five and so eight, five when eight. they were one and four, like I felt even you know some of the recordings we did in the very beginning, I wasn't even here. Right, I couldn't be here, or I would jump in late on an interview because we had kids. And now they're getting older, and I'm starting to see like the next phase coming where like. I start to get a little bit of freedom back. I can start to focus a little more on me and not everything I do has to be focused on my kids. Right. So do I feel like I've hit my prime? No, I've had really good times in each season and now I'm looking like, okay, what's coming next and what am I going to do next? Well, they say that one of the keys to happiness is to always have something to look forward to. You have to. Even if it's just like you've got a vacation coming up yep. or something like that. And I don't ever want to be in a place in my life where I don't have something to look forward to. Agreed. I think your prime is something that you decide. I get to choose whether I'm going to live in the past and look back and say, you know, I miss the good old days. The glory or days. I get to choose if if I want to be excited about the future and what's to come and, you know, concerts are happening again and travel's happening again and like we're finally getting through this pandemic mess and things are getting back to normal and I'm I'm excited. I've been going to concerts like every week. All right, let's do this. Tell everyone who you are. Oh, I was going to uh, say, I'm like, I don't think anybody knows tell, who I am. Tell everyone yeah, who, we tell haven't, everyone we haven't even done our introduction. Let's do that. Tell everyone well, who you are and uh, what you're excited to look forward to. If you've listened to enough of these podcast episodes, you probably recognize my voice. I'm Nikki and uh, I'm a massage therapist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> And she's got some real unpopular yeah. opinions. And although we've learned through putting out those episodes, they're not so unpopular. You're just the one with the balls to say them. Right. Out loud with a microphone in front I of your face. I got the ovaries to say them. <laughs> I'm so glad you I'm so glad you changed that to right. ovaries. I love that um I don't know if it's like it's like a meme or something that's like I don't know why people always use balls as the word for tough. Like Yeah, balls are weak. They're weak. <laughs> you you get kicked in the balls, you're on the ground. 
right? But yeah, like yeah. our parts, we make like whole ass humans and shit. I don't know, man. Yeah, this is something I say to my brothers a lot is anything you can do, I can do bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Girl power. Yeah. So welcome I'm, to the podcast, this everyone. This is my what fifth visit, maybe sixth episode, because one of the episodes was so long because I don't know how to shut up. It was like, you split them in yeah. two yeah. episodes. So I think this is like, I think maybe my fifth visit, sixth episode. I've lost count. So have I. Anyway, she's a repeat guest, and we <laughs> always bring her back because we don't have to prep her. She knows what she's doing, and she brings wine. So <laughs> I brought wine. I brought cookies. I brought beer. Yes, I'm going to partake in all of this. Yes, stuff. this is going to be good. Good afternoon. So where should we start? Should we start with? Um... Well, I want to know what you're excited about. You, oh you yeah, ex- I'm. I'm excited about life. I'm excited. Okay, fall is my favorite season. Why? Why is it your favorite season? Well, my birthday is in September. Nice. And the weather gets ideal for me because <laughs> I don't love super hot weather. Okay. Um, and I'm one of those basic bitches who loves pumpkin spice. So <laughs> I love anything pumpkin, anything cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, like all the smells and all the feels and the hot chocolate and the cozy sweaters and okay, the hoodies. I you, I and you. I like walking around outside in a hoodie without sweating. That's my like okay, perfect kind of, you. you know, the high teens, low 20s. Yeah, like yeah. I just, and the, you know, the, crisp air and the fall leaves and I just and the Halloween and I just I love everything about this time of year so that's something you love this time I do I do don't I look like so cozy in the sweater you do you look autumnal yeah I, I'm so happy right now. I can't get comfortable. Like you, you, you can get comfortable in this one. I can't. I don't enjoy wearing layers. I don't enjoy wearing coats. I don't enjoy that kind of stuff. So I just feel constantly physically uncomfortable until summer rolls around. It's fucking no, horrible. To me, for me, summer's uncomfortable because you can always put more clothes on. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. only take so much off before you get like arrested so (laughs) (laughs) yeah those hot summers not for me but yeah so that's i love this i love this time of year and um it's the busy season for massage therapists which is always exciting so i get excited about the you know the fall winter rush and uh yeah you guys are like you're not even I'm an active, active and I'm debating right? if I'm going to go on active again. We were just talking about this Because it's $1,000 now? <laughs> right? yeah. No, because the money, we do okay. I think I can, I think I can handle that. Um, it's it's strange because we're, we're, we're doing this conference stuff like with our partners and we want to grow this conference to be bigger than what it, what they are currently doing now. And massage therapy media. Like right? between these projects, treating has to yeah. really I think if anyone can, can grow it, you guys can. You guys are awesome. It, 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 it's going to be challenging. It'll be fun. But I'd, I mean, at this point, I, if I was to go active again, I would probably have to do a refresher course because I I don't have 500 hours in the three previous years anymore. Yeah, no. uh, definitely not, after, especially after going inactive last year. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to have to do all that to to not treat as much as I would normally do anyway, then let me just go inactive again. And then before the three years are up, I'll end up having to do this, the refresher courses and shit anyway. So I might as well just push it off a little further and yeah. give this stuff a full go. I actually want our partners to do the same thing. I want our partners to go inactive so we can just fucking let's do all of this shit. It's hard for them though because they don't have a Con Ed Institute, right? Like we can treat less and we still have courses running and an income. I get it. But their their primary source of income is I get treating. It. Like they're full into massage still. I get it. But if there was more of a time commitment to the other things, then the other shit would make tons of money way sooner. 
and then who cares, right? Do you see what I'm saying? So if that's where they want to go with it and they want to eventually walk away from treating at some point because they ain't spring chickens, whatever that means, you know, then... Are you calling him old again? He got really, he got really, really <laughs> upset the other night when not, everyone kept calling I'm him old. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like you're not pumping out 40 treatments a week anymore at the at the age that these cats are at, right? So you might as well turn it down a little bit and give something else a go. Turn it down know. a little bit, yeah. Know. But I mean, I just, speaking of busy season, I just sent out an email to my patients that now that we're in the fall, I am going to start doing treatments a couple days a week. So we're we're filming some days, and basically what I've done is looked at Mark's schedule. Anytime he's doing Oski preps, I'm I might as well is, take this clients. Is what, and this treat. is what I really want, and then I'll shut up about it. I want those guys to have a point of no return, so they can go 100 percent in this direction. Right. But until they have that point of no return and they have this thing that they always are going to rely on, then this other thing will never get the attention that I want them to have right. on it. So. That's my challenge to them, and it'll it probably won't happen. But it's harder because like you need I ovaries said, you, for that. You, you need ovaries, right. <laughs> right. but it's it's also like I said. I think I think with the direction that they're going to go, they're going to start doing something similar to us, and maybe you know, getting different sources of income. I think I think it's going to go. I want to bring you build it up into the conference. Yeah, I sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about myself. So. <laughs> And about massage in the industry and hanging out with you guys. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I want to bring you in because I, I like I like there to be more business stuff that happens at, yeah. at these conferences. I love business. Yeah, and I want other massage therapists to really love business. Good luck with that. <laughs> why do you think Why do you think th- I, I need to have luck with that? Uh, it's it's an uphill battle, I find. This this is why I say my opinions are unpopular. It's I became, I've told this story before. I became a massage therapist because of job security, because of financial security, yeah. so I could make money. <laughs> so I could make a lot of money in a little bit of time and have excellent work-life balance, whatever that means, mm-hmm. and uh, and run my own life and listen to music and do something cool and have the flexibility. And then I got into the profession and looked around and realized, shit, man, nobody else is doing this. Not nobody, but like, most people, when you talk to most massage therapists and you see that 95% of them just want to help people yeah. to, at their own expense and you see how that bleeds into the way that they run their businesses, it's it's hard to rail against that. Like I feel like massa- so many massage therapists are constantly arguing for their own mediocrity. Mm. Like they're making up reasons of why they shouldn't raise their rates, why they shouldn't charge enough to thrive why they shouldn't go over time what are some of the reasons because when i see stuff like this in any of these groups i don't i don't read it i don't bother because i can't i can't i can't do that it 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 just makes me feel weird because i'm like i just want to pick people up you know by the fucking torso and shake them around a little bit and say what are you talking about so i don't even bother reading those things what are some of the reasons what what are some of these excuses that they're I'll call them excuses. Oh, well, I mean, ultimately, it all comes down to, ultimately, it's the patriarchy. Mm. We live, and we're all participants. When I say the patriarchy, I'm not saying, you know, men are bad. The patriarchy is a system that places men above women. And it's a system in which we're all participants. And men are taught, um, it's important for you to make money. It's important for you to be in charge. It's important for you to climb to the top. And you're given so many examples of other men doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Women are taught, 
Um, just wait your turn. Don't ask for more. Don't ruffle any feathers. Um, be likable. Be meek. Be quiet. Be pretty. Just be grateful for what you have. Bend over backwards to please other people. Put everybody else's needs above your own, even if you don't even know them or like them, even if it's like a client you've never met. Mm. Serve them and just be quiet and, you know, don't ask for more and and don't reach for the top. And And there aren't a lot. It's getting better, but there aren't a lot of examples of you know really super successful mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. millionaires billionaires it's all it's it's all men and so you join a profession like massage therapy that is very female dominated i think like 80 percent women and i know it's 2022 and there are more than two genders but I'm, I'm making sweeping generalizations here but the vast majority of massage therapists are women identify as women or are people who were socialized as women whatever gender you identify with mm-hmm. and we've been taught these invisible money scripts about how you know i just want to help people i don't want to be greedy you know i don't want to be mean this is healthcare. i'm not supposed to you know make good money and i'm here to try to shake it up and try to tell people you can do both you can help people and you can make excellent money and it doesn't have to come at your own expense Mm. and the more women like me who are out there going for more there's a ripple effect and and the more women who do this the more women who stand up for themselves and assert their boundaries and make excellent money and run their own businesses and are successful bosses um the more power and autonomy and money all women will get and that will close the close the gender pay gap and that really is like my mission in life is just women's empowerment closing the gender pay gap one massage at a time do women in the industry not like you oh yeah tell me why because (laughs) this message doesn't sound like a woman in the industry should be against so why uh they think i'm greedy they i've been called every name in the book i've been called and obviously this is not all women this is this this is the internet okay so you know you get trolls i've been called greedy insane out of touch in it for the money um yeah i've i've been called all kinds of things uh by mostly women hmm. whether it's the patriarchy or not because there are going to be people who debate that but whether it's the patriarchy or not it is a learned helplessness it's all about how you were socialized and what you've been taught and in massage school right from day one you're taught that massage therapists don't make a lot of money so that's already gone into your head right away men in the industry are taught that people don't want to see you because you're a man so yeah. there's a whole bunch of men who are helpless and even though the vast majority of male therapists that I know are actually very successful and do very well in their practices but there's always this group of men who feel like there's a reason why I'm not getting busy and it's because I'm a man. And all of this, it it, it affects how all of us behave in our practice, right? If you believe you're not going to make a lot of money, if you believe that there's things that are outside of your control, like how many times do you hear massage therapists saying, oh, well, you know, during the summer, I don't make any money because everybody cancels or that, you know, it's versus I know that maybe some of my clients go away during the summer. So I'm going to try to beef up spring and fall and whatever to make up for that. You know, there's always excuses that are beyond people's control that everybody makes and why they don't make enough money. I've had a massage therapist recently tell me that, you know, I, I got into this profession because I'm really good at it. People have always told me, you know, naturally I have good hands. I'm a healer, this, that, what, you know, the, the usual reasons you hear. I love helping people. I love to make people feel better. I, you know, I love giving massages, but 
I knew I wasn't going to make any money. I was like, well, why do you think like if you're as good as you're saying you are and this is something you're super passionate about, like you finish that sentence with, but I knew I wasn't going to make any money. And she constantly tells me how she doesn't have enough money, how she can barely afford her bills. Like the the hike in the fees, like almost fucking killed her because this was like another thing she had to budget for. And I'm thinking like, this is not all because of circumstances outside of your control. Like I feel like we are, we're in a profession where you actually have so much control. You can work backwards from this is what I need to make. And this is how many treatments I have to do. And you plan for it. And so for example, after you've been working for a certain number of years, even two to three years, you recognize the trends. We know we get busy in the fall. We were just talking about this off mic. So you know that you can plan to work a little more, see extra patients because they're going to be there. You're going to have wait lists, right? And you know there's times where, you know, maybe it's a little bit slower in July. Okay. That's where maybe you're going to focus a little more on your business, focus on marketing, taking extra courses. Take time off. Take time off. Exactly. Vacation in the summer because, you know, even I'm consistently busy, but even I see a little bit of a dip in the summer, the summer slump, as people call it. Yeah. Which, by the way, for me, I still made 15 grand in August without being fully booked. Like, I could have made more if I hustled, but I, I didn't need to. But um, I took three weeks off because I thought, well, you know, there are ebbs and flows in any appointment-based industry. So Absolutely. if I know predictably that this is the time of year that there tends to be a bit of a dip, why don't I just take some time off? So it's lack of planning is what you're saying? I think I think it's getting out of your own way, stopping with plan? the excuses and taking taking the information that you have and instead of looking at it as this is outside of my control it's like what solutions do I have for this there is always a solution like you said take time off when it's slower so that you can be more readily available when things are really busy focus on things in your business that maybe you need to adjust maybe if you know there's certain times where you need to make a little more money open up extra slots have a wait list always ready to go so that if somebody does cancel I have a year round waiting you know and I also know that you're really strict about upholding your cancellation policy, which is another thing that <laughs> that's people, why women hate me. Oh, that's why people hate you. Because it's mean to it, charge people money. Well, and for like your I time. said to you before on the last episode, I said I do things differently, but that's also my choice. And I don't hate you for the way you do things. When somebody cancels on me the morning of because they're sick, I say no problem. I understand whatever. And typically I won't charge them if they've canceled, you know, like if they're canceling at 7am and they have a 6pm appointment, I believe you're sick. You woke up sick. Okay, fine. I'll let that go. That's my choice. I don't have to do that, but I choose to do that. If somebody cancels on me at 5 p.m. for a 6 p.m. appointment, so like I'm sick, I'm like, you, you, you knew you that figured you that out up. now? <laughs> you figure that out right now. That's different, right? So there, you know, in my case, I do take things on a case by case basis. So I had this happen to me two days ago where I took a client and his wife messaged me first thing in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning. He was supposed to be at 11 a.m. saying he woke up sick you know, he's not going to be able to make it. And I did tell her, like, typically I would charge if you without 24 hours notice, I said, but if you're telling me that he's really sick this morning, I'll let it go this time. But if this happens again, I'm going to charge him just to make sure that this isn't also somebody who's just, you know, using the sick excuse, knowing that I'll give it. And this is the problem is therapists don't want to look mean and say, oh, you're sick, you have to pay me. But in your case, I like that it goes both ways. If you cancel on someone the day of when they're sick, you're like, well, you get to rebook with me and get a free treatment because I canceled on you without 24 hours notice. That happened recently. I had a a power out and I didn't know when it was going to go back on. And I had two back-to-back brand new clients. Mm -hmm. And I called them both up and I was like, there's no power. I... 
I can't work like this. I have an electric table. I have an electric table warmer. I have hot towels, mm-hmm. dimmable lights, like nothing was working. And so I called them both up and I said, like, really sorry, going to have to cancel. I canceled on them with like one hour's notice. I rescheduled them both to the next day for free. They both offered to pay. And I was like, no, thank you. This is my policy. And just so you know, if you ever cancel on me on short notice, I will charge you. Yeah. And so that's the thing. If that works for you, that's fantastic. And so for all the therapists who, you know, use clients canceling last minute as an excuse, here's one example of a solution. This is not outside of your control. This is all I'm saying. It's 100% within your control. And, you know, the story that you were telling about, you know, case by case basis is sometimes you let it slide and sickness and whatever. I'm I'm never going to tell people like you have to charge everybody 100% of, of the time always like I do. But you don't I won't tell anybody what they have to do. Right. What I want especially for women, I just I want you to be in charge because what happens is clients will call up and say, "Well, my kid got sick, you can't charge me." You know? Like, please don't charge me. I want it to be, if you decide not to charge somebody, it's your business, it's your rules, you can do whatever you want. I want it to be your decision and I want to make sure you like your reasons. And the reasons, I don't want the reasons to be, well, you know, I have to be compassionate and I'm a woman and I'm a healthcare provider and therefore I have to lose money. I don't want that to be the reason. And when you let it slide, I want you to, because I've done that. I've, you know, let the first one slide or charge somebody half price the first time if they've been, you know, consistently reliable. Um, I always make it clear to them, I'm doing this as a courtesy, as a gift. I don't have to do this. I would normally charge you. But you know what? It's your first time. You had a medical emergency. I'm going to let it slide this time as a one-time grace. Next time you'll be charged. Like I make sure they know this is my decision and this is a favor and it's a courtesy Yeah, and it's not going to happen again. And I, it's never because I feel like I shouldn't or I can't or there's something wrong or shameful mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. charging them. It's always no, a gift. It's, exactly. It's If it's somebody, that, as you said, somebody who's been consistently reliable. So this couple, that was in my example. It's a husband and wife. I treat them both. I treat their daughter. I treat their grandchild. Like this is a family that I know very well. And I don't think that they were just trying to pull a fast one on me, you know? So in that case, I was like, okay, I can have some compassion for you. It's not going to kill my business if I let this one slide, but I am going to let you know, as you said, that this does go against my policy, but for this time, it's okay. As bad as it sounds, I think more people just need to have a little bit of, "Mm, that's not my problem. That's like, the that's exactly what, what it. you got going on is not my problem. I am not financially like, responsible for your emergencies. Like a different example, and I don't know if I said this on the podcast. I was uh, I went to purchase stuff at a store recently. I don't know if it did I tell us. <laughs> I think you did tell. <laughs> yeah, I went to purchase stuff at a store recently, and I take my thing to the to the cashier. She's like, "There's no barcode." She's staring at me. There's no barcode. I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> like, what do you propose I do about?" That? Yeah. <laughs> Right? She's like, well, do you know how much it is? I'm like, no, I'm a guy. I just pick shit up and put it in the basket. And I, <laughs> You're like, and no, I'm a guy. I, 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 I just don't, I don't think about that. when I. And then she's like, well, can you go get another one with a barcode? And I was like, no. That's your job. That's what I, was, <laughs> I don't know if it's her job, but, I'm, but I told her it's not my job to put the barcodes on. It's not my job to make sure the barcodes are on. It's definitely not my job to go get another one if the barcode isn't here. Yeah. And she stared at me like, well, I can't leave here. And I was like, I don't see how this is my problem. <laughs> You know, she's like, well, then you're going to have to wait. And I'm like, cool, I'll wait. But, you know, let's do this better. This nice lady behind me, I'll pay for this stuff here. 
and then you can cash her out. That way she doesn't have to stand here and wait for you to go get the barcode. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's not, it's not my problem. And I, I've said this before on the podcast several times, and I want, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to drill it home. A policy is not a punishment. When you charge somebody for your time, you are not punishing them. Do you know my favorite thing in the world to do is give women money. There's nothing. Okay, and go to concerts. <laughs> <laughs> give women money going, and go to concerts. I love going to concerts. Um, my favorite thing is to give women money. Give my service providers money. Give my business and my money to women business owners. The thought of not paying a woman for her time or arguing against having to pay her when I signed a document that said I would makes my skin crawl. People think that Everybody's always looking for a bargain. Nobody ever wants to spend money. And if you charge somebody for any reason, even for giving them a massage, it's a punishment and you're doing them a disservice. Like, yeah. you know how many times people offer to tip? I don't accept tips, but they offer to tip. They want to give me their money. I think people forget that some people like giving money to other people. I fucking love giving money to other. I love money. I love earning it. I love counting it. I love investing it. I love donating it. And I love choosing who I give it to. I don't ever think that I'm punishing a client for charging them for my time. I'm just honoring our agreement. I had a woman who, she was a new client. She came in last week and signed my policy, which everybody has to do. And it's bolded and underlined that if you cancel with less than 48 hours notice for literally any reason, you have to pay me full price for the time. And she came in, I did the intake. And I always ask at the end of the intake, do you have any questions? And she said, yeah, I have a question about your policy, your cancellation policy. And I was like, sure, go ahead. And she's like, well, your policy says I have to pay you if I cancel for any reason. And I said, yes, absolutely. She's like, but you know, things happen and like, what if I'm sick or what if there's an emergency or whatever? And I said, yeah, you have to pay me for the time. You're reserving that time. I understand things happen. If you cancel with less than 48 hours notice, you pay me for the time or you send a friend in your place. Those are your only options. And she was like, but things happen that are out of my control. And I said, yeah. She's like, but it's not my fault. And I said, okay. And it's also not your fault. I said, it's not my now fault. Now you're just complaining about life. I said, I'm not financially responsible for other people's circumstances and then she said <laughs> this is my favorite she said well how would you feel if somebody did that to you like if if you had an appointment with somebody and you got sick and you had to cancel how would you feel if they charge you and i said i would insist on paying them because i know because most service providers are women and people who live on the margins so women and people of color and queer people um they're not going to charge me because they they feel guilty and they feel ashamed and they feel out of feelings of guilt and servitude Women and marginalized people will do all kinds of things to harm themselves, basically. And so I said to her, I would insist on paying my service provider if I had to cancel for literally any reason. And she was like, really? Like She was stunned. And I said, yeah. And she kept going back to it, you know, but things happen that are out of my control and it's not my fault. And I don't understand I how people blah, blah, blah. don't see this, though. Like, let's just say, let's just, and, and 
very generic example. Okay. Let's say that tomorrow I look at my my appointment book and I've got five people booked. So in my mind, I already know how much money I'm bringing in tomorrow mm-hmm. with my five people booked. Until three of them call to cancel. And then three of them call to cancel. So I went from making, you know, maybe $600 in that day. Now I'm making $350 in that day, $400. Like how how is that fair to the service provider that they don't get to make as much money because you got sick or your kid had to be taken out of school or whatever the reason. Yes, we understand things happen, but so why is it the person who was providing the services doesn't doesn't it's not, get anything? It's all it's all about risk. It's all about it's all about risk. So when I book an appointment with somebody, like I book a hair appointment or whatever, I'm saying to that person, I'm blocking off this time. Nobody else can get this time because it's my time. I'm I'm paying for it. I am financially responsible for paying you for that time, whether I show up or not. Mm-hmm. I'm taking on that risk. I'm saying it's worth the risk to me because I think there's a very good chance that I'm mm-hmm. going to show mm-hmm. up. And if I can't, I'm going to abide by whatever rules you've set out because I have taken on that risk. I am not giving the service provider that risk and saying, well, because if somebody doesn't want to pay me for a canceled appointment, they're, what they're saying is, you take on the risk. Like yeah. like me, I'm not taking on the risk. So I, what I explained to this woman was, so we had this back and forth, back and forth. And I was realizing that we were just never going to see eye to eye on this. Right. I was never going to get through, even though she had read and signed my policy. And so at the end, I just said, look, you don't have to like it. You don't have to enjoy paying good money for a massage you're not getting. Yeah, You know, you don't have to love it. I said, but if you want to work with me, you do need to agree with it. And if you don't agree with this, this is our last massage. And so she booked the massage. She extended the time on the table because the first 10 minutes she loved so much that she was like, can I get another 30 minutes? And I I had the space. So I said, sure. So she extended the time on the table. Um, I cashed her out. She uh, wanted to buy a gift card for her sister and she booked a future appointment. And so, and I reiterated and I said to her, <laughs> okay, you're booking your future appointment. And I said, just so we're clear, because I know we don't agree on this. If you cancel with less than 48 hours notice for literally any reason, I will charge the card on file for the full treatment amount unless you send somebody in your place. And she was just like, well, but if it's out of my control. And I was like, yep, charging you. If you agree to that, we're good. If not, we can go our separate ways. Well, she gets it. it because she accepts it in other places. She accepts that if she bought tickets to a show or bought tickets to a concert and she felt not well enough to go that... She you eat just the cost. Well, her she tried to one of her arguments. One, one of her arguments was, you know, well, other places don't do this. Like other places, mm. it's not forty eight hours; it's twenty four hours, or it's fifty percent, or you know, basically, she was trying to talk me down. She's trying, right, right, she's right, trying right. to haggle on my policy, as if I haven't very thoroughly thought this through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, other people at places, it's you know, it's less time or it's less money. And I said, yeah, those people lose thousands of dollars. I said, look. 99% of massage therapists will not charge you if you cancel because you're sick. They won't. Right. Because I, I know them. <laughs> uh, and you're welcome to go to them. And I said, but you know what happens? They lose thousands every year on unpaid appointments and they call me up in tears because they don't know how they're going to pay their rent. And they're resentful. I have no room for resentment in my practice. If a client owes me money, I'm now going to resent you and I can't give you the best care because the next time you book an appointment... 
I'm going to be angry. Mm. And I I can't have clients in my practice that I'm resentful towards. I was even going to ask you about this particular client. Like after going through all of this and just kind of seeing that she's she's not in tune with what's going on, is there any part of you just like, you know what, let's just forget this right now? Like, because that's how I feel. I would be like, you know what, just I'm not the person for you. But I'm also irrational and I jump like really quick. And I'm like, I'm not the person for you. Let's just call this a day. I'll call it a wash. I'm sorry you wasted your time. No, my... She loved the massage, <laughs> but my my attitude was just, you know, this is my policy, take her to leave it. Right. And and no anger. Like if she decided, I don't think this is fair. I think this is wrong. Yeah. Nobody else does it this way. You're selfish. You're greedy. I'm leaving. Yeah. No anger, no resentment, no qualms. I'm it's clean. Yeah. I am perfectly comfortable. I gotta with that decision. That. That's what a policy is for. I make this policy. Right. That's another thing when people are like, you can't charge people when they're sick. I'm like, they agreed to it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. opted in. <laughs> like, this was optional. Everything about my practice is optional. I could tell you, I could say, Mark, I can make up any policy I want. I could say my policy yeah, yeah. is if you want to come and get a massage with me, you have to wear a Pearl Jam t-shirt. I am not letting you <laughs> in my house unless you wear a Pearl Jam t-shirt. That's and you could be like, it. well, that's kind of weird, but okay, I like Pearl Jam. So sure, I'll comply. Yeah. And then you show up for your, your appointment. You're wearing a Rush t-shirt. I'm like, Mark, man, you knew the rules. <laughs> and you might be like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is the dumbest rule I've ever heard of. Nobody else does this. I'd be like, bitch, you signed yeah, you it. Signed it yeah. You knew the rule. Where's your Pearl Jam or go home? I don't even like Rush. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How I can make up literally any rule I want. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is you knew it. It's clearly communicated. You agreed to it. All I'm doing is honoring our agreement. I'm acting in integrity and I am nothing without my integrity. So that's my stance on policies. I, I got to I gotta take a page out of your book though because I don't stay cool-headed in those moments it's hard it's hard i don't uh, did you ever were you always cool-headed in those no moments? no 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 this was a learned skill well i mean i hired a business coach yeah. you know my business coach rebecca diaz yeah, yeah, holla yeah. rebecca <laughs> best business coach in the biz um and uh she drills this into her students hmm. like being firm with your boundaries and your policies and she ran a very successful prenatal massage practice in salt lake city utah which is like right. pregnancy capital of the world because it's mormon town and uh <laughs> they're always pregnant yep. and um people looked at her cross-eyed because how can you charge somebody for canceling because they went into labor mm. and she's like of course i charge them when when they went into labor because my entire practice was prenatal massage people canceled all the time yeah. morning sickness braxton hicks actual labor like yeah. everything's an emergency when you're pregnant and so she just told them from the get-go look you're responsible for paying for the time you go into labor like she's like i had clients who went into labor at the park and had to like call an ambulance and she's like i wish them well and i still charge them because otherwise she would have had to fold her business so that's the reminder people need right you can't afford to keep your doors open if like especially in a niche like that where people have a very good reason to cancel the constantly ultimate emergency for me pregnancy. what just doesn't make sense is like you're accept this person the client is accepting of this in other scenarios but for some reason with their fucking massage therapist they're not accepting of it guess I'll why give, mark it's because we're women i'll give you another example is because and like I said, I need to be more cool-headed about this because I'm not cool-headed about it, right? We're, we're, we have this conference that we're doing and we decided that because Con Ed Institute is involved, Con Ed Institute is going to give Con Ed Institute's people a gift. And the gift was a discount on, on the price of a ticket. And then we had people like 
emailing saying, hey, like I already bought my ticket. I already so bought my ticket. Can you refund, ticket? Me, can you refund the me? I'm like, no, it's um, like, why? Why is this the equivalent to I just bought this this jacket a month ago and now at it's the on store, sale. and now it's on sale? <laughs> like, that's the equivalent to it. Well, and that's exactly it. Like, so it, why is why is that so accepting? There, it happens all the time. Yeah. Today, Amanda was saying, hey, she works. She's she does her banking with a with a with a branch. I do my banking with a different and. She's like, I want to switch to come over to where you're doing stuff. I'm like, cool. That way you can get the iPad for opening a new account. Because, you know what? And, and I'm, I should be angry then. I've been with them for 40 something yeah, years. My and iPad? where's my iPad? <laughs> this new person rolls along. Again. Because that's we just all the know way he'll it is. take like, my we, iPad. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, need to, I need to be more level headed because then I get like this when I hear that. And it takes but me I think a while the to more come people down. that do stuff like, like, again, like Nikki said, we're not saying charge every single person, have some discretion. But we do need to get rid of this mentality that it is a punishment that a policy is a punishment and, and stop and stop letting businesses female owned or or otherwise like stop letting businesses suffer for other people's emergencies or other people's problems if this was a policy that was upheld everywhere because you see it in um offices like if you go to a dental office if you go to anywhere you see that there's this 24 or 48 hour cancellation policy and if you have to cancel or change your appointment you're going to be charged but if everybody upholds it everywhere, it's just going to become common knowledge. If you have an appointment, you have to pay. And I, I'm, sh- I'm sure Mark mentioned this and uh, when I ran away and when people watch back the Zoom, I just sprinted out because I drank too much coffee. Um, if you buy a concert ticket, did you use this example? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you buy a concert ticket and you can't go, well, guess what? You have to figure out what to do with that ticket. You don't get your money back. And I think that's people need to have that mentality like every business can only continue to operate if they have an the income even weirder part of all of this to me and i just thought of this right now is massage therapists in ontario hang on so hard to where healthcare where healthcare where healthcare yeah. and what other healthcare professionals just would let that slide well here's the other thing whenever i've had somebody actually said to me recently you know i don't charge when people cancel when they're sick and this is with a quote that's not healthcare and i was like I am a business person first and foremost. Mm. I am in the business of healthcare. I love helping people. I do like massaging. But that is not why I got into this profession. Right. I got into this profession because I wanted consistent, predictable, reliable income. And I only do, I work for myself, like just at home alone. I don't have a clinic. I only do four, maybe five massages in a day. If you cancel, that's 25% of my income for the day. Yep. And I've had days, like Amanda yep. was saying, I've had days where uh, I had five people on the calendar and I wake up and they all cancel. Every single one. Boom, 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 boom. Am I just supposed to have a $0 day because of that? That's Yeah, I don't know ridiculous. why we're so accepting of that. We should not be so it's accepting of that. It's because we're women. It's because we're mostly but if you worked, But if you worked in a clinic and that clinic had a cancellation and you were there, you'd be so pissed if you didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. Right? You'd be fucking angry. The clinic's not paying me. It's not my fault that person canceled. Blah, 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 blah. This is why I always tell people when you're when you're a massage therapist and you're looking to apply for clinics, research their cancellation policy. Do they have one? Hmm. Do they honor it? Because those are two very different questions. They are two very different things. I know a lot of RMTs who have, in theory, have a cancellation policy. But- and then. To me, that's worse than not having one at all. If you have one and you're willy-nilly with it and you're inconsistent with it and you never honor it, might as well just not have one. I got a question for you. I saw on a Facebook group. You might have seen it too. I didn't read the whole thing because, again, it gets into this and I stopped listening after a while. But someone posted, reposted an article that they had posted before about we need to get away from the language of six figures. 
that that should not be the goal of things, blah, 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 blah. I didn't read the article, though, because I once, I, once I saw that, I'm like, uh, I, I don't care to read this anymore. But I just wanted to get your take on that because we have a buddy. His name is Scott. And he jumped in the same way I think he jumped in a couple years ago when this person first posted the article saying, like, if you're a business owner, like, that should be a major goal. Like, I, I don't understand what's going on. I don't on. know what business owner doesn't want to make money. What is the purpose <laughs> of opening I wish I a read business the article not to make money? Like, the article, yeah, you're asking sense. me to comment on an article that I, you haven't well, read. Because I, I, just, I just saw the post about it. And I, because I thought of you immediately because, you know, you're, you're always talking six talk figures. You're always talking six figures. And, you know, I was just curious as to what you'd have to say to that. I, I mean, okay. I'm about to comment on an article that none of us have read. So, so this here. comment must be considered <laughs> so useless. Take it with a mountain of salt. Yeah. Uh, why would why would we want to stop talking about six figures? I want I feel like we're just getting started. And here's the thing. You you get to decide what kind of practice you want. You yeah. get to decide if you're an employee, if you're an independent contractor, if you're self-employed, if you run a clinic, if you work from home, if you work on a cruise ship, you get to decide. This career is so versatile and so amazing and there's enough for everybody and you've got the hippy-dippy woo-woo energy healers and you've got the super scientific book nerds and everyone in between. You get to make this whatever you want. For me, my goal, my vision of success was six figures, private practice, virtually working part-time. I I set my fees such that I can gross minimum $100,000 working 160 days a year. I did the math. So that's four days a week, 40 weeks a year. So that's a three-day weekend every weekend plus 12 weeks of vacation around three months of vacation. I've already taken... I think like 10 weeks of vacation this year and I'm taking the last week of the month off to go to Montreal to see the Smashing Pumpkins. So, <laughs> um, that is my vision of success. I wanted to have enough money to live very comfortably, to donate generously to charity. This is another thing when people call me greedy. I'm like, bitch, my charitable donations would make your head spin. Yep. I don't usually like to brag about that, but I cannot handle when people call me greedy because I charge a lot. I'm mm. like, when was the last time you donated thousands of dollars to charity? Mm. You can't afford to. I'm not saying you have to, but like, don't you fucking call me greedy. Yeah. Um, donate generously. Donate to savings. I have a, a, a nice cushion of savings. I have a very skilled financial investor who literally makes me money in my sleep. Mm. Be an example to other women of what's possible. And love my job. The more I earn, the more I like it. <laughs> well, exactly. So one, I, I want to comment on three things. One, as Mark said earlier, when you made the the comment that women should not disagree with, I'm listening to you thinking, I like, I want this to be inspiring to women versus people hearing this and rolling their eyes and saying things like you're greedy or this. They know nothing about you as a person or your practice. I've they know. never been more generous than I have in the past couple of years when I started making bank. And because you can. And I, I'd like what you just said at the end there. If you are going to take on a career like massage therapy, yes, even if your your motivation was because you want to help people, like we always say, you can't help people if you can't keep your doors open. Another motivating factor should be to make money so you can have this thing that people like to call work-life balance, whatever that means to you, so that you can support your own family, so that you can possibly donate to charity. Like People need to get rid of this idea that making money in healthcare is somehow bad. Like Why, why can surgeons you- feel that way? No. Well, exactly. No, no. 
And why can we sit and like watch the Super Bowl and know that like there's all these people involved in this make it, you know, we watch a halftime show and there's these entertainers that are making millions of dollars. That's fine. But I'm providing people with a service that we're claiming is healthcare and essential and it's beneficial to people's health and wellness and mental health and all of these things. But God forbid I make a good wage doing that. No, that's wrong. That's greedy, Amanda. You're not allowed to do that. It's just fucking insane to me that people see making money in healthcare as a bad thing. Like, go to other places in the world. Go to the U.S. You think that a doctor <laughs> in the U.S. gives a flying fuck what you think when he's out on his yacht? Like, you do you think that he gave, he cares what you think about him making money off of his healthcare? It's just insane. If if healthcare providers think that they shouldn't be making money, who's who should be making the money? Like, who's more important that should be making this money? Please tell me. Men. So that's it? Just men? Yeah. M- white men, specifically. Sorry. They're Mark. allowed. Yeah, sorry, Mark. You don't count. <laughs> white men are allowed to make all the money in the world and, and they can they can do whatever they want. It's fine. This mindset needs to really kick the bucket now. Like yeah. I've had enough of it. It's so ridiculous. Like I don't know why somebody wouldn't want to make money because as you said, it's made you happier in your job. It's probably made you a better therapist because you enjoy what you do. You're not the therapist who's sending me messages saying, man, I love this profession so much, but I just can't get by and you're fucking miserable. That doesn't make any sense. How good can you be and how can you show up for your patients if your life is a fucking mess? Oh yeah, I'll never be one of those therapists who complains when people don't tip. I don't even take tips. But back to the six-figure thing, and I know you had other points that you wanted to make. And nope, I- that was good. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, Mark, you're asking about how do I feel about people talking about six figures. Six figures was just, that was a goal I had. Mm-hmm. It was my vision of my version of success was hitting six figures. And I did it. Mm-hmm. And one of the lessons I learned very quickly is that, man, downtown Toronto, six figures is not a lot of yeah, money. Yeah. Toronto is it's expensive. Not. That hundred grand... First of all, eliminate half of that for taxes and business expenses, like right out of the gate. It's not a lot of money on a single income household like that. That is that does Mm -hmm. not go far. And again, I will never tell somebody else what their vision of success should be, that everybody should strive to make six figures and everybody should be self-employed and everybody should run their own business. It's not for everybody. The reason why I talk so much about six figures and why I tell everyone I can that I make six figures working part time is because I want to be an example of what's possible. Mm -hmm. Because when I graduated school, I didn't know that this was possible. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I would have aimed higher much sooner. And that's why, segue, I've created this course. I wanted to create a course for new massage therapists who are fresh out of school Mm -hmm. to teach them everything that I've learned and all of the stuff that I wish I knew when I was fresh out of school. I could have avoided so many mistakes. I could have made so much more money and I could have been so much happier way sooner. Before you tell tell us about this course, do you see a ceiling in the amount of money that you can earn in a treatment room? Or for you, is that just indefinite there is a ceiling i haven't reached it yet yeah but you you feel that there's a ceiling there has to be at some point you know if i charge a thousand dollars for a massage there you know there might at be some couple- point the marketplace will say some- okay nikki you're being ridiculous yeah, i mean because you will have you those people that. That the market will the marketplace will say, but i mean i mean you can probably find those people in in any appointment-based industry where you're exchanging time for money or like an industry like ours where you're exchanging minutes for money there. There is 
there is some kind of ceiling. I I think most people are well below how, that. How high is that for you? Like in, in relation to where you are now? How I much mean, how much how much higher on the ladder do you think you I gotta go? There's here? only one way to find out, you know? Keep testing those waters, keep keep raising it. At some point, I will get expensive enough that supply will meet demand. Hmm. For now, demand exceeds supply, which means I can keep going higher. So I there is a ceiling when you're when you're exchanging time for money and when you're working one on one. There's always going to be some kind of ceiling. I don't think any of us have tapped into that yet. Hmm. Do I think there's a limit as to how much money we can make as humans in general? No. Money comes from providing value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a woman. She was a TikTok influencer. She sold. She farted into jars. You told me the them, story of the jar farts. Sold before. them for a thousand bucks a pop. I think she sold like, I don't know, a hundred of them. She made like a <laughs> hundred grand. I don't know how much she made. <laughs> Selling her farts in a jar. Like... Which looks ridiculous, but you look at like um, <laughs> bottles of wine that people will sell for thousands of dollars yeah, or yeah, old bottles yeah. of whiskey or artwork. Yeah. Like value is so subjective. It's so if subjective. you can find the right person and tap into what they value and really communicate that you have something that is valuable to them. I don't think there's a ceiling. No, I agree with you. There's there is a market for literally anything. Farts and jars. Farts and jars. Farts and jars. That's a business. Please say it's called fartsandjars.com. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I've never been on on the hunt for a fart in a jar. But there's there's always <laughs> you know. So Mark and I were driving the other day. I can't I'm remember where we were. On that, by the way. <laughs> oh my god. So we we were driving somewhere, and I can't even remember um, what we were talking about, but. Um, I started going through with him this month's expenses. I don't know why. We were having a really nice day, but I just started saying to him, let's not forget we've got this, this coming out, this, you know, my CMTO fees, like all, and I was just sort of going through like our expenses for the month. And I was like, shit, October is shaping up to be a very expensive month for us. And uh, he was like, you worried? I was like, no, I'm not worried. And he's like, why aren't you worried? And I said, because if we need to make more money, we'll find a way to make more money. I love that. I love that. Like there's always more money. Well, exactly. I was like, this, this is an exceptionally expensive month compared to what we've just been through. But I'm like, okay, so now that we've gone through this and I realize like, fuck, we need an extra few thousand dollars this month. Okay. How are we going to make an extra few thousand dollars this month? I lo- Let's just I do that. I love that. It's all about resourcefulness. I love that mindset. I love that attitude. And that's another thing that I love about massage so much is you can just be like, oh, I had an unexpected um, car payment, you know, I need to replace the radiator. I need to make an extra 500 bucks. All right. I'm going to open up uh, Thursday afternoon, take three massages. Boom. There's 500 bucks. Like my cat needed um, a $2,000 dental surgery. And I was like, okay, that's like three days worth of work. I can do that. Like it's not a big deal. If I want to make more money, I just go and make more money. I love when you are an employee and when you work at a bank and you're making your $80,000 a year, you can ask for a raise. You might get turned out. Like there's no, they don't yeah. have that option to be like, well, if I work more hours, I'll make more money. No, you won't. You're salaried. You're salaried when you're a massage yeah. therapist and you're like, I need 500 bucks by the end of the week. Cool. Three, four massages. Done. I think I've always had that like resourceful mentality though. When I was on maternity leave eight years ago, um, 
I it, I did not set up my business in a very smart way. So again, you know, new, new massage therapists, you know, you might want to take the new massage therapist toolkit so she can teach you all the things she did wrong. <laughs> like I could teach a lot of people all the things I did wrong, but I did not have a great business set up at the time. And so when I went on maternity leave, my expenses were far exceeding my income. And I got myself into like a really fucking weird situation. Thankfully, like, you know, Mark had a good job and whatever. But I remember at one point thinking like, shit. I I don't want to go to Mark and tell him like, you know, I screwed up and I need an extra thousand dollars or whatever it is. I Obviously, he would have been fine with it. But I was like, what can I do? And I remember it, that's when I discovered Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I started selling any high quality items that I had that I had zero use for. I just started posting on Marketplace. And within a few weeks, I was like, I just made like $800 selling shit. Yeah, I did that. So when the pandemic hit and, uh, you know, massage therapists were told that we had to close our practices, I, I actually closed my practice earlier than we needed to because I got sick mm. and I, I assumed it was COVID. I didn't know what it was. So I closed my practice for, quote, two weeks because <laughs> yeah. at the time I thought that was all we needed. And this was back in March 2020. Two weeks turned into four months. But I closed my practice and you know, massage therapists in Ontario were mandated to close. We didn't know when we were going to reopen and everybody was panicking. And I said to myself, I will be damned if I'm letting some disease drain my bank account. I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> so I went on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. I sold um, a bookcases mm. like same thing i found some furniture i found some stuff to sell i made a couple hundred bucks selling shit on facebook i collected the cerb um which was the government funding in, in canada for people who were out of work because of covid and when you collected that benefit which was great it was like 500 bucks a week something like so, that so it was like two mm -hmm. grand a month yeah which is awesome i'll take it um, but that doesn't cover my bills. Like I live downtown Toronto. So right. I was like, this is amazing. I'm happy to have it. And it's not enough. One of the rules was you can collect this benefit and earn a thousand dollars per month. You extra. could work part time. And I went to a wine store because that was an essential service. <laughs> One of the things open. Yeah. And I got a part time job making minimum wage. It was $16 and 15 cents. And that was including $2 hazard pay. So it was like a $14 an hour job plus $2 hazard pay. Mm. At the time I was charging, I charged way more than this, but at the time I was charging $115 for an hour-long massage. That was a $100 an hour pay cut <laughs> to work in customer service. And I did it. I went, I got a part-time job. I worked three, four-hour shifts, three days a week. I made new friends. I learned about wine. It, like, Because I was like, I'm making that thousand dollars. Speaking of wine, she just poured some. So cheers. cheers. And this is one of the wines she is, learned this about. This is one of the wines <laughs> that I learned about. It's true for everybody who's listening. It's the Bacanoir by Sandbanks. I highly recommend it. Um, and uh, and then when we reopened, um, I raised my rates again. I had a waiting list <laughs> before I reopened. And I made it out of that four-month period with my savings intact. It's all about resourcefulness. I don't I don't ever want to be at the mercy of whatever's going on around me. Mm -hmm. I want to know that I'm in charge. And there are things I can't control. I can't control that the government shuts us down. I can't control that there's a pandemic or a disease. I can't control that um a chain spot opens up across the street from me. You know, there are certain things that I can't I can't, I can't control when my expenses go up. 
you know, when when the cost of maintaining your license doubles, you know, yeah. over the course of two years or whatever, those things I can't control. There is always, always something you can control. And I think that's the difference between the successful people and the ones who just complain and blame everybody else. It's they're abdicating their autonomy and their sense of control to external circumstances instead of looking inward and seeing, okay, all of this shit is happening around me. What can I do? What is in my control? Because there's always something. And if you can tap into that, you'll move mountains. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been trying to, not trying to, I am. I work on that with my kids very often, just with their attitudes about regular things. You know, something goes wrong. And what's a kid's first reaction usually? And I I mean, they're just learning. Everything is new to them. But their first reaction when they've got some kind of big emotion is to what? Like throw a tantrum, tantrum, scream, cry, whatever it is. And I'll let them feel the feeling. And then we talk about it. I'm like, the the one thing that my older daughter repeats a lot now is, I can't control what people do or say to me. I can't control if somebody's mean to me. I can't control if, you know, somebody doesn't want to be my friend. What I can control is how it makes me feel and how I react to it. So she's very much like, okay, I'm not. So she'll still get to a she's point a where she gets. Buddha. She, she is a little tiny Buddha. <laughs> no, honestly, that is like miles above where most adults will ever get. Well, and this is the thing is I said to her, I wish that somebody had taught me this when I was young. Mm -hmm. I will admit as a 38-year-old woman, I have major emotional regulation problems. I am very quick to get irritated. Um, My patience can be very thin sometimes. I can recognize it now so I can try to like break this pattern, but... I get irritated very fucking quickly. Like it doesn't take much. And he's just over there going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I know. I'm like, Mark, that sounds like fun. It's because he's the one that's irritating. Good times. Right? My, my kids annoy me less than my husband. I'm just kidding. It happens. But I said to her, like, I wish my somebody had taught me this. You know, there's going to be a mm-hmm. ton of things that happen around you. They're not happening to you. They're happening around you. And you have a decision how to react to things. You have a decision about this. And so, you know, my older daughter has a friend who, unfortunately, she thinks everybody doesn't like her. And, you know, every and I just said to her, just for thought, I said, isn't it? weird to you how all of these girls in your class all seem to get along and she says everybody's mean to her why would every single person just be being mean to her i said have you ever she's seen a little bitch <laughs> maybe but i said have you ever seen have you ever seen anybody being mean to this one particular ch- a child and she said no and i said do you, do you think possibly that she's unhappy with something and she's saying, well, everybody's mean to me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm being picked on. I'm being left out. I'm, and she said, yeah, I don't, I don't think anyone's mean to her. We always invite her. We always, and I said, okay, so just for you to think about, right? Like she's choosing to react to life that way. Poor me. Nobody likes me. Everybody's mean to me. Like, okay. Yeah. It's such, it's, I don't think there's any more valuable lesson than just recognizing what what what's in your control and you don't have to take everything personally it's i tell my clients this all the time like when when a client comes in for their first appointment i run through i'm very thorough i always say there should never be any surprises during your massage including to your credit card statement so i run through my policies and i run through the procedure and exactly exactly the body parts we're going to be working mm-hmm. on and the draping and the everything And I always say, you know, if anything's painful or uncomfortable or you're too cold or too hot or you want the music up or down or whatever, I said, please speak up. I don't take anything personally. 
and I, I like I make that explicitly clear. I want them to know you can say anything and I won't take it personally. And it's easier said than done. But I had one person who looked at me and she said, how do you do that? I'm like, so how do I do what? And she's like, how do you not take criticism personally? And I was like, oh, oh, it's never about me. It's always about them and what's going on in their minds. Like rejection has nothing to do with me because if it did, everyone would reject me. Right. Some people love me. Some people hate me. I've got enemies out there. I've mm. also got fans. <laughs> it's a hard, it's a hard mentality to have, I think, just naturally, like, you know, people, people want to be liked. Of like, course. you know, it, it. I remember being 16 years old. And I think I've told this story on an episode before being 16 years old and finding out that this particular guy who was in like my group of friends, like didn't like me. So there was like, you know, eight of us that always hung out together. And this guy didn't like me specifically. And at 16, that was a really hard pill to swallow. Huge. I was like, like, what did I do? And I couldn't figure out what, you know, what could I have done that made him not like me, whatever. And as I got older, I realized it was nothing. He just like, I was not his cup of tea. I was loud. I was probably annoying as fuck to him because I never shut up. I, you know, he was more of an introverted kind of guy. And so I remember bumping into him at a bar when we were in university. And I said to him, I just want you to know I have like no hard feelings. And I feel bad for like, like the way I reacted towards you when we were teenagers. Like it was totally normal for you to have people you don't like. And I just happened to be one of those people. And you were the first person I ever really like it ever really sunk in like someone just doesn't like me for no reason. And I'm like, I no longer take that personally. And we like cheers at the bar and walked away. Nice. It was, what was his response though initially? He was just, he was kind of like, he's like, taken I still back. don't like him. Yeah. And he was <laughs> like, like, who oh. are you? Like, yeah, he was, why are you talking to me? Oh no, he knew what he actually, he actually pointed, uh, like found me in the bar, like pointed at me and he was like, Hey, and I was like, Oh my God, the first person who I ever actually like realized doesn't like me is here. And I'm like, I'm going to go over and say hi. I don't know why. I don't know why I did. See, you wouldn't have liked me when I was in my 20s. No, did weird I shit. Not have. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, get away. But we parted amicably and we will never see each other again. Well, this this is one of the things that mm -hmm. I always say to, because massage therapists come to me for advice all the time because I'm really fucking good at giving advice. And <laughs> I'm like swearing a lot today. Uh, you know, I, I hung out with like a three-year-old yesterday. Make so I had do. to like bury all my <laughs> swear words and now I'm just letting it loose. Um, uh, yeah, one, one of the the pieces of uh, advice that I always give to people is like one of the most valuable life lessons I've learned in running a business, but not just in business, in any kind of interpersonal relationship. Mm. You you just you have to let people be wrong about you. You have to let people dislike you because one of the biggest arguments I hear for, well, this person canceled the last minute, and you know they, they signed my policy, but I you know I'm scared they're going to get mad if I charge them. Let them. Let or them or I'm back. scared that they're never going to come back. That, no, that doesn't scare me at all. I'm but, like, good. If somebody doesn't want to come back because yes. I charge them for my time, I don't want that person coming anywhere near me. That's the thing is I think people need to recognize that if somebody will not pay for canceling on you last minute, do you really want that person as a client? They don't value your time. I don't want that person as an acquaintance. Mm. Yeah. You owe me money. You are no longer in my life. Period. There's nobody in my life who owes me money right now. <laughs> Client, friend. I'm literally sitting here. I'm like, I don't know Nikki money, do I? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, people aren't going to like you. And you just, you you don't have to love that. I don't love it when people hate me. But it, it's, the alternative is hiding in a cave and playing small and never taking any risks. And that that to me is not an option. I would rather be audacious and have big goals and take big risks and be loud and out there and proud and risk 
judgment and criticism than not even try. Like I have a blog and every time I hit the publish button, my heart skips a beat because I'm just, I'm opening my, or every time I'm on this podcast, like I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I know I'm going to say things that people disagree with. I feel that way and I'm on this podcast every week. (laughs) And, but the alternative is like not getting my message out there. And I think, I think I have an important message and I think I'm so grateful to you two for helping me spread that message. Mm. It's interesting. So I could play small and hide because I'm scared of rejection or I can take a risk and be like, no, this is more important. I want women especially and people who live on the margins, which is like 95% of massage therapists, to at least explore my point of view. You don't have to 100% agree with it, but just open your mind to maybe thinking a different way. That's the first step. Yeah, maybe unlearning some of the things that we've all been taught to believe, right? You can't make money. You have to bend over backwards for people. You have to um, not have boundaries, you know? And so if if you, if you a client wants an appointment this day, you make room for that client because you don't want to... No, like all of these things are harming all of us, or, like all our entire profession, because if, if this therapist is doing it and this therapist is doing it and this therapist is doing it, then every other therapist feels like, okay, I should, I should follow suit. This is how I should run my business, which is why all of us way undercharge, right? Well, yeah. It's, <laughs> and it's not even about the money. It's, um, you know, another thing you were mentioning about boundaries. It's so many therapists, again, because we're women and because we're just, we're so terrified of upsetting other people. God forbid somebody's upset with us. That feels like literal death to most women. When, you know, clients, male clients, new people, you've never met them, they're messaging you, they're texting you looking for appointments and you're getting those red flags, that spidey sense starts tingling and it's always, you know, well, I I don't know how to say no to him. I don't really have a really good reason. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. So many therapists put themselves in potentially dangerous situations Mm -hmm. by letting these suspicious people into a tiny room alone with them i had this conversation with a therapist the other day she was like i had a new client he was throwing up a couple red flags i went against my gut i gave him the benefit of the doubt i gave him a treatment and my gut was right and he was creepy and i said i'm so sorry this happened it's not your fault that that happened but i said do you know how many people i give the benefit of the doubt to zero if it's not a fuck yes it is a hell no Mm. for me and my list of red flags is miles long. <laughs> Literally everything is a red flag for me. I say no probably more often than I say yes to clients. And you have a year-long wait list. So that, you know, hopefully that's eliminating some fear for people as well. You don't have to say yes to every opportunity. You don't have to be afraid of letting something bypass you. There's there's usually really strong indications when something isn't right for you. You have to listen to, I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan. Always listen to my gut. If my gut is telling me something is wrong, I'm not doing it. I had um, a client reach out to me today. She emailed me. She has an upcoming appointment this Wednesday. Um, She wanted to switch it to Friday. So she messaged me and she said, hey, can you add me to your waiting list for Friday? You know, I'd like to switch my appointment. And I wrote back and I said, uh, I don't work Fridays. Do you want to keep the Wednesday appointment or would you like to cancel it? Here's my schedule. You can see other openings if you want to switch it. Like, what would you prefer? And she was like, oh, okay, good to know. Thanks. I'll just keep the Wednesday appointment. I was like, cool, no problem. See you Wednesday. I swear most other massage therapists would have opened up a Friday for her, even if they weren't working. They would have been like, okay, I'll take you on Friday. Yeah. No, I don't work Fridays or Thursdays or Saturdays or half the year. (laughs) 
It's just, yeah. sorry. No, that happens to me. No, someone, I'm in Colombia. I'm not working. Someone wanted <laughs> that to did make happen an, to you someone today. Someone wanted to make an appointment, you know, for a consultation. She's like, uh, do you have this day, this day, this day, this time? I'm like, no, it's this day that I have available. She's like, okay, well, I'll have to call you back. Then she calls back and she's like, well, do you have this day, this day, this day? I'm like, no, this is the day I have available. And that's, that's all there is to it. Then she messes back half hour. Okay, I can find some time for it. Like if it's important enough, you'll fucking find the time for it. One hundred percent. The committed always. This is something Rebecca Diazavedo says. The committed always find a way. Yeah. Yeah. Are these takeaways from your course? Maybe they're teasers. Can yeah. You, so yeah. So I created a course called the New Massage Therapist Toolkit that I pitched to Mark and Amanda. Because I wanted them to do half the work for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know lady. anything about technology. <laughs> I was like, I don't know anything about the internet and computers. I need help. Um, and it's less about private practice, although there will be plenty of time for Q&A. So if anybody wants to ask me questions about private practice, I'm happy to answer them. You can pick my brain about anything. It's specifically designed for current massage therapy students, recent graduates, and massage therapists who have been out there, maybe they've been working for a few years and they're kind of burnt out or they're not loving their work. Um, it's more geared towards people who do not work for themselves. So not people in private practice, not people who are running clinics. I really want to cater this course to people who are employees, independent contractors. You're working for somebody else or you're about to graduate or you've just graduated. It's I feel like that is an untapped market because every year there are thousands mm-hmm. of massage therapy graduates and they come out and if you're anything like me I didn't know who I wanted to work with I didn't know what I would be good at I didn't know what kind of population I wanted to work at I didn't know what the job options were I didn't know what the pay could be I just I didn't know how in demand I was going to be even though job security and being in demand were the main reasons I chose massage therapy I still underestimated the demand I thought that because I'm a new graduate and I don't have a lot of hands-on skills and you know I'm fresh out of school and what do I know and I just took the first jobs that were presented to me like I didn't realize the bargaining power that I had yeah. the money I could make the types of people I could work like the negotiating I could do like there was so much I didn't know and that's what I want to teach people is it's your world and you have so much more authority than you could even possibly dream, especially if you're in Ontario. It's but I, you know, this course is available online and it's open to anybody anywhere in the world. Mm. But my Ontario babies, those are my babies. Those are the people I understand. Yeah. And this time around, she's offering it in person here in at person. Con Ed. I'm so excited. Sunday, November 6th, 10 a.m., Come join us here in person. I am so excited to do it in person. I just, I love, because I taught it once before through a screen virtually. Everybody had their screens turned off. So I felt like I was just speaking into the void. Mark knows what that's like. I'm so excited to do it in person. I'm so excited to get that in-person energy. But it is a hybrid, like you said. So those of you who can't join in person, we will still allow you to go online. Maybe turn your cameras on. It'll be more fun. Yeah, turn the camera on. Join the party. It's going to be a party. I, we're going to have so much fun. I'm going to I'm gonna do my best to serve you. I want, I want to provide so much value in this course that people think like, my God, everybody should do this. This was a bargain worth every penny. That's what I want to over deliver. That's my goal. I like that. And again, that's how you become successful, right? Providing value. It's right here. Anyone who's called Nikki Greedy online, this isn't all about the money. This is about providing value. So she's she's earning that money and she deserves that money. And I always say, the thank you. <laughs> 
the best way to make excellent money is to get really good at helping people. So whenever people say it's not about the money, I just want to help people. If you can get really good at helping the right people, you can make so much money. Absolutely. And I, I want to end with stop being afraid of people not liking you. I know Nikki was talking about that earlier. And it's it's true. We all have this tendency to be afraid that someone's going to have something negative to say, or we're going to get criticized, or somebody's going to be upset with us. And that definitely does happen. But like the other thing that I, I teach my kids, I will tell to all of you is why do we put so much energy towards the people that don't like us anyway. Right? There, How many more people are there that are fans and that do like us and do follow what we do? That's where your energy needs to go. The people that, that don't like you, not a single ounce of energy needs to go towards them. Let Do not let them live rent-free in your brain. I saw a guy on TikTok who said, you know, at the end of your life, when you die, you die alone. Like, we all die alone. That's so beautiful. You're alone. <laughs> so who, when you think back about your life, when you're, you're literally going into the ground or into a wall or your ashes being thrown, you're alone. What what difference does it make of all of these people who maybe didn't like you? And the other thing I want to say is, because that you're absolutely right. The other thing I want to say about that is people aren't going to like you no matter what. There are people who will just decide to not like you no matter what you say. Given that fact of life, you might as well go for what you want. If your reason for holding yourself back and not going for what you want is that you're scared that people won't like you, they're going to dislike you anyway. At least get what you want out of it. That was the point of the guy saying he died alone. Thank you for finishing my thought. I was like, there was a really good message with that guy. And I'm stuck on you die alone. I'm like, well, that's depressing. But thank you. (laughs) Yes, that is absolutely the point. At the end of your life, you don't want to have regrets of things you didn't do because you were worried about these negative people who don't like it, they're, they weren't going to like you anyway. Totally. John, John, my friend from my 16 year old days who didn't like me for no reason. Say lovey. He didn't like me and I've moved on and I have lots of people who do. What's up, Mark? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I'm trying. So I was trying so hard to, I, I lost my question. I, I don't Sorry. know if you noticed that I lost my question and I had the wheels turning to get it back and I got it back. So now, now, I've, now I've been sitting here just saying it to myself over and over and over again. Okay, good. Go ahead. I want to hear. You're doing a Q&A. Yeah. Do you prep for a Q&A? Like, do you, How? do you, <laughs> like, do you, do you research a whole bunch of massage stuff? Do you think about all the past experience? Like, do you do any prep work for a Q&A? Or is that just all kind of right there on the spot, stand and deliver? Because I know people that prep for everything. And so if you, if, if, you, if I told them, hey, we're going to set up a Q&A, they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to prep for this. Like they would go survey, you know, a bunch of people, you know, if you had questions about whatever, what would you ask? Do you know what I mean? So they can go look up stuff and come and be prepared for it beyond what they can just do in those moments. Do you, do you prep for a q and I, I don't. I don't think you can ever adequately prep for a Q&A. You never know what questions you're going to get. Absolutely I think right. I spend enough time on the internet and in those groups. I, I admin a group of 15,000 massage therapists. Right. Um, I know what people are talking about. I know the most common questions. So I think I can probably quite accurately anticipate what the questions will be. Hmm. But you never know. I'm No, I'm not going to stress about that. And if, by the way, if somebody asks me a question, if I don't think I have a good answer or if I don't know the answer, I will admit that, that I can't handle when people give bad advice or they just give advice for the sake of giving advice when they don't actually know the answer. If I don't actually know the answer, like if somebody asks me a question about 
taxes, I'm not going to be like, yes, this is 100% what you should do. I'm going to be like, man, talk to an accountant. I don't want to be responsible <laughs> for this. So I'll be honest if I if I don't know. And, and I, you know, if somebody asks me a question that I can't answer, I'm going to make a note of it. I'm going to go find the answer so mm-hmm. that if it comes up again, mm-hmm. I can answer that. Or so I can reach out to the person who asked it and say, hey, I didn't know at the time. But I went and I researched it. Here's what I found. Here's what I think the best answer is. But aside from that, I don't really see how I could adequately prepare for a Q&A. I might... <laughs> probe people like if i say hey q a ask me anything and nobody right. raises their hand i would throw out some topics yeah, be yeah. like do you have any questions about private practice do you have any questions about policies do you have any questions about how to set your rates like that kind mm-hmm. of thing interesting it's because i know people that would pr- try to prep for that yeah i try to be prepared but like i mean i don't prep for i'm anything. not gonna panic right so like even when we did these mtm talks we had some people that were doing the talks. They they were like really stressed over doing like a fifteen minute talk. They're like, I gotta prep this hardcore, and I was like, that's weird to me. Like, I can I, clearly I talk for more than fifteen minutes. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think some people, so people just want to make sure they they get all of their points out. But I I mean I'm like you. I don't prep for literally anything because I feel like you know like what Nikki was just saying. Either I know something or I don't, and if I know it, I'm happy to share what I know. And I will also say like this is from my experience and my knowledge. Like if if this I don't take everything I say as gold, obviously. Mm-hmm. But if there's something I don't know, then either I will find out or I can refer you to someone who knows. And you know, people really appreciate that. Uh, During the conference, there was a guy who reached out to me afterwards uh, via Instagram and asked me some questions. And I said, let me check into that for you. I'll get back to you. And I actually did. Three days later, I sent him a message with this is what you have to do. These are the links. This is where you can find this information. And he was like over the moon happy that I even got back to him. Like, thank you. Like, you know, I didn't have to do that. But I was like, I I will figure this out for you. Let me get back to you. And sometimes it's a simple. I mean, I I use Mark a lot. Somebody will send me a message and ask me like massage related questions. And I'll be sitting here and I just turn around to Mark. I'm like, what do you know about this? And as he's talking, I'm typing. I'm like, thank you. taking the credit <laughs> no Mark's i did idea. i will show you the text message taking i did say credit. mark says <laughs> and i send the message that's also an advocate responsibility you can be like if this goes awry it's mark's fault <laughs> mark says this <laughs> taking the credit I, I i think i've prepared the course well enough that i've covered everything i want to say this is why we've made it a full day course because we read it the first time online only and we made it like a it was like it a three-hour three webinar, hour and hour. I was speed talking because I had so much that mm. I wanted to say, mm-hmm. and so I decided, okay, it's I'm gonna spread it out, slow down, save lots of time for questions and breaks and things, and really take my time with it because there's so much I want to say because I really do think that there's a lot of value that I can impart. There's I've been a massage therapist for seven years. Mm-hmm. I worked at a chain spa. I worked at a chiropractic clinic. I worked at a multidisciplinary clinic. I've done chair massage events. I've worked for myself from home. I've, I I think I have a lot of wisdom to impart. And most importantly, I have a completely different philosophy from most people. And I'm not going to claim that I'm a guru or that I'm an expert in everything. I am most definitely still very much learning, but I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Mm. And if you're listening to this and if you like my attitude and if you like what I have to say and you want to know my unpopular opinions on things, come spend time with me. ConEdInstitute.com. Mm. Look up the new Massage Therapist Toolkit. Yep. Sunday, November 6th at 10 a.m. It's going to be an all-day event. Would love to see your faces in person here in Scarborough, Ontario. That would be super fun time. Super fun. So which one of you two are doing the outro? Nikki did the intro. Well, before, before you... 
when it comes down to giving credit since you're into music, I don't know if, tell me if you know this story, okay. this story of 99 Problems, Jay-Z. Yeah. Do you know the story with this? I don't know. Ice-T wrote this song about 11 years before this Jay-Z put it out. Yo. Right? Okay. So Ice-T's chilling with the guys from 2 Live Crew and they're just talking smack and the guy from 2 Live Crew says, uh, we got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. And Ice-T's like, that's a motherfucking song right there. Yeah. So Ice-T went and laid down the music, did his verses. Ice-T's a boss. He has um, the guy from 2 Live Crew come do a couple verses. And years later, Chris Rock hears it, calls up Rick Rubin and says, I think Jay-Z should redo this song. So Jay-Z and Rick Rubin and Jay-Z's management, they bought the publishing for the song. So they now they, they own, they the, own song, the song. Yeah. And they put it out. And Ice-T is kind of angry the whole time because he's like, you didn't even give me credit for that. Like, I'm not asking for money credit, but you didn't even acknowledge that, like, that's my song. Like, I wrote that song. <laughs> it's, it's so fucked up. And Ice-T's talking about, like, you know, I come from an era where you, you, you're happy to, to give props to the former. It's not just you, 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 and who cares who was before, and there's no one after me type of thing. And he's, he's it's, it's actually interesting. I was, I was up until, I got up at, like, 2 o'clock this he's morning. Been, he's been, and he's so already I put was, in a full day work. Mark yeah. doesn't sleep. Yeah, and what I was eat? down a rabbit hole with just, like, videos and stuff, and that was probably one of the last things I saw this morning, and I just went and researched the whole thing. I love That's stories really, like that. That's that was cool. really interesting. I will say I read Ice T's memoir. It's yeah. called The Ice Opinion Who Gives a Fuck. Mm. <laughs> Highly recommended reading. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a cool dude. Eh? Yeah. No, I did not know that story. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. You know what else you should listen to if you have serious highlight radio? There is I a do not. there's I'll try to see if you can you can probably find it on somewhere. There's a, a whole like five hours of Cameron Crow. Ooh, I love him. Doing singles. And he's t- he's playing this. They're playing the songs from singles. Okay, we're talking about singles, which was a the movie, movie from nineteen ninety one, and my favorite. Oh no, nineteen ninety two. Yeah, ninety two. Yeah, ninety two. Um, my favorite soundtrack of all time. That was the first time I heard my favorite band, Smashing Pumpkins. By the way, everybody, go watch singles and go listen to the soundtrack. It's amazing. Those were yeah. facts I actually knew about you, right? <laughs> So Go on. you got to you got to hear that. It's like I I haven't heard all. I've probably heard maybe the first hour. But he's playing the songs and he's talking about the songs and he's also got other people from the movie that are commenting on stuff. It's actually Aww. really cool. So I, I think this is where I heard him talk about the Smashing Pumpkins song on that album. Drown. And Eight minutes long. Basically, the whole movie was. We talked about this on the other podcast. The whole movie was like kind of shot in the can well before Seattle became Seattle, mm-hmm. right? With grunge and everything. Pearl Jam makes an appearance in the movie. Exactly. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Soundgarden Alice, Alice Chains, Chains, right? They're all there. And, um,. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so so when the movie comes out, it's like at the same time, grunge is becoming huge. So this this movie, seems, what was I saying about this? It's because Sorry, I keep what, people no, no, no. what people I'm didn't stoned. realize well is that by the time the movie had come out, it had been filmed so far No, but that's not, so far there's something before. I was going to say about that before. Shit. Cameron Crowe. I Cameron thought Crow. it was Talking to do with the singles. fact that Cameron oh, Crowe was influenced about by the song, Seattle About the song, right? It, um, so, about Drown? Yes, about Drown. So he asked Billy Corgan, like, hey, I'm, I, I, I'm liking your stuff can you send me some songs I can use in the movie? And, and I'll just like, send me whatever. So he sends him all these songs and Cameron Crowe picks Drown. Billy Corgan, every time he hears the idea of Drown being on this, he, apparently he hates it. What? He's like, fuck, why did you pick that song? It's a beautiful song. I think it's a beautiful song, but Billy Corgan, I, I think, has a different <gasps> opinion on that song. Yeah, Billy, okay, Billy Corgan, for anybody who's young, <laughs> 
anyone doesn't know, he's the singer of the Smashing Pumpkins. He is my favorite songwriter and musician of all time. And he's also an egomaniac and a gigantic, literally gigantic, yeah, he's like six he's, foot five, whiny baby. <laughs> and he's so emotional and he's so hard to work with. And he has uh, made so many enemies in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um it does not surprise me at all that he's whining and complaining about yeah, something like this. Yeah, I think like he's like, he's like, fuck, every time he... But I love him all the same, and I'm seeing him twice, three days apart, nice. at the end of October, and I could not be more excited. Right on. October 24th in Toronto, 26th in Montreal, what? See that? Massage therapist, take the course, learn how to make some dough. This learn will be my, my 42nd and 43rd shows of seeing Billy Corgan see, perform. This way you can take time 42nd off and, and, and 43rd. I think, I, w- it, I would have to go back and actually double count but i believe the upcoming show in toronto will be my 42nd does it get better for you it get, uh, stay the same it'll never be as good as it was when i was a teenager gotcha nothing maybe you hit your prime in your nothing teenager. emotionally no. well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> i definitely didn't hit my prime but i hit so alan cross who is um yeah, yeah. a dj in toronto dj podcast host um he was on um 102.1 the edge uh in the 90s um which was like toronto's alternative rock station yep, which yep. i was obsessed with in the 90s um he gave a talk last week and i went to see him oh, nice. and uh so he gave a q a it was just an open q a it was like three hours of him just answering audience questions it That's was amazing cool. That's cool. um and he was talking about how you know there's this period in your life from like age i think he said like 16 to 24 where you're just that'll be the the most obsessed you'll ever be with your favorite bands is mm. in that age range. Like if you ask anybody who their favorite band is, almost always it's whoever was their favorite band at 16. Like your yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. band was probably Rush yeah, yeah, when you were 16. <laughs> My favorite band when I was 16, well, from 12 until now, <laughs> has been Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. Um, and you just, you go through this like eight year specifically period where you're just peak emotion, peak fandom, everything is heightened, everything is the first time, everything is meaningful. Yeah. And it just, and I remember my my brother pulling me aside when I was 16 and he was all of 20, old and wise at age 20. <laughs> and he pulled me aside and he said, music will never mean more to you than it does right now. And he was right. Yeah, so most famous moment. I wouldn't, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> so I wouldn't say that, you know, I hit my prime. <laughs> Dear God, I hope my teenage years were not my prime. Um, I had braces and, and like one inch long purple hair. Like that was not a good look. <laughs> Um, but emotionally, when it comes to like seeing your favorite band play mm. your favorite songs and hearing those songs for the first time and just like going to a show, waiting hours in line to even get tickets and then waiting hours in line to get up close to the stage and then sobbing the entire time, mm. that's never going to happen again. So I, I get nostalgic about that kind of stuff, but I still will go and see them every time they come for as long as they're making music. You might, you might, you might, you might sob again at that. You might be at a nice kind of mellow, intimate acoustic show Love that. that is the throwback to the time when you were really into it and you'd sob like crazy i still cry sometimes when they play yeah. when they play certain songs but what i will say now is concert tickets have never been more expensive and i am so glad i make good money <laughs> because i can afford For them real? so like today yes. i just i just today i dropped 200 dollars on a ticket to see muse at history which is a muse is a stadium band yep. history is a brand new venue downtown toronto it's beautiful it's amazing capacity is like i don't know 2500 like it's small mm. muse is playing and i was like yeah i'll drop 200 bucks on that that's one massage for me mm. done the next time I give a massage, I've paid for that concert. Dunzo. Love it. Dunzo. Can't wait. I dig it, man. This was fun. Thanks for hanging it's out. It's always so much fun hanging with you guys. I appreciate it's so you. Fun. I think you guys are 
thought leaders. I think you're game changers. I'm excited to see the projects that you're working on. And I'm so honored to be able to contribute to Conant Institute. And I really am looking forward to this course. And everybody should register because it's going to be a party. Come party with us. ConantInstitute.com. I dig it. I dig it. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace. Right on.